Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey friends, you know that I'm all about leading you to things that make life easier and more fun, and I came across something to add to your list of happies. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that Thomas and I just upgraded to a king bed, and wow, 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 why did we wait so long? Not to mention our queen-size mattress was a hand-me-down from a college friend of Thomas's, so you can imagine it wasn't very luxury. The road to finding our mattress was quite a journey, and we weren't really sure which to purchase, what was necessary, you know, adult things. But then we happened across Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, feel like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix there's no more confusion and no more compromising on an average mattress. The good news is is that there's no risk. You have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I promise you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for Behind the Bliss listeners at helixsleep.com bliss. That's helixsleep.com bliss for up to $200 off and to take your two-minute customizing quiz. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. This week, we get the privilege of hearing from Stephanie Broersma, who talks all about what it's like to experience betrayal in your marriage or your life, and how to deal with that shock and pain that it can cause. How to lean into Jesus inside of that pain that you might be experiencing or have experienced, and then maybe some next steps to find the comfort needed in your relationship, to find healing and wholeness inside of your marriage or wherever you did find that betrayal. Stephanie is so brave to share what that confession from her husband looked like, how she responded, next steps that they took, and she's sharing all of it with us today so that we might find some encouragement if we're going through similar feelings. Now today, she has an amazing ministry called Reclaimed Ministry that she'll speak more of, but it's all about helping other women find freedom that might be in these similar circumstances. It's crazy to see how God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, like Romans tells us. And this story does not fall short of that at all. So without further ado, here is today's conversation with Stephanie. Well, hey, Stephanie, welcome to Behind the Bliss. This is going to be so amazing. I'm just so excited to see what God does through this conversation today. Yes, thanks for having me. Of course, this is, um, I don't think we've had an episode like this where we're able to hear about intense moments in in marriage. And Mm -hmm. I almost wanted to start as a preface. Please don't tune out if you're not married, because I think that we all have moments of shock or pain or sorrow. So what you experienced could potentially be something someone else experienced, but just in a different circumstance. So I I don't know why. Sometimes because these episodes tend to be topical, I feel like people tune out if they're like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. But I'm like, no, I think it it could. I totally agree. Yeah. What you have to talk about today is for everybody. So I'm just, wow. (laughs) So incredibly excited. So with all that being said, would you maybe just share a little bit about who you are um, and what life looks like for you today. Are you in comfy clothes or are you dressed for success? <laughs> well, I am currently sitting in my church office 
and I have a blanket on my lap and I I do. I am in my comfy coat. I love hats. So I got my Monday hat on and got my yes. tea. I'm drinking my green tea. So that is that is my current situation. Um, but <laughs> in regards to my home situation, um, this May will be 18 years that Kim and I have been married. Woohoo! That is yes. huge. Yes, 18 years. And we have four kids. We have uh, our oldest is 15 and our youngest just turned four. So quite the spread of kids, uh, three girls and a boy. So that's our home. Oh, and we have a puppy too. We have a little puppy. What kind? She's a Cavapoo. She's the perfect lap dog. You know, like the yeah. one that just sits on your lap and just keeps you warm all day. That's her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's no more than eight pounds. And, you know, when we were considering getting a puppy, we made our oldest daughter write us a persuasive paper <laughs> for oh, the reason yes, of why we should get a puppy. And it, this thing ended up being 10 pages long. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, you're like, all right, no brainer. Gotta I go. know. Yeah, she sold us. That is something my dad would have made me do. A hundred percent. When I got married, my husband was a big dog guy and he also okay. loves to hunt. And so... He was like, well, we are married. Like now, of course, the next step is to get a dog. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That was not a part of premarital counseling. Like, no. I don't know about this. And he, he's like, I got to hunt. And I'm like, you can do that without a dog. So yes. anyways, long story short, we now have a three-year-old. We still call him puppy because he's so dramatic and has so much energy. But um, yeah, funny That's how fun. there's like dog people and there's not dog people. Yeah, you know, I I would tend to classify myself under the non-dog person. Um, yeah. but this we call her Millie. Um, she's really softened my heart towards puppies. So I Sweet. might be getting there. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm not a dog person, but I'm a Millie person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, that is a full family. Y'all it have is. quite the American picture out front, like with your four kids and puppy and like eighteen year old marriage. But of course, we all know that that's not always what it looks like inside a home or behind closed doors. So, I kind of want—I mean, I know a little bit about your story, but um, has marriage? And I know the answer to this, but I would want you to ex- explain some of it to our listeners today that might not know. Marriage hasn't always looked like the four kids and cute puppy yeah. for you. So what was almost this process the past over 18 years to come to a point where you can have marriage to the full? Yes. So we were married for seven years um, at the point where our perfect outside image came crashing down. Um, we had just the two kids at the time. Addison was four and a half and Charlie had just turned a year when my husband came home and blindsided me with a confession. And you have to understand that I had no reason to question. I had no reason to investigate. Um, There was no red flags that I noticed because I didn't have reason to even look for red flags. Yeah, you're like, I'm not going to be suspicious just because. Yes, yes. And so he came home and uh, he confessed to a 10-year pornography addiction, which had been um, the last year of his addiction, it had morphed into multiple affairs. And so you can imagine my shock when this happened, like just to, you know, I was busy making dinner and he came home and he said we needed to talk. And 
he had um, organized somebody to take our kids. So our kids were removed from the home. He actually did confession really well. And I think if it would have been a little bit different, if the kids were home, I'm not sure what my response would have looked like. And I, I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I do appreciate his um, ability to know that I needed that space. And this was a yeah. very intimate confession that was about to happen. And so he set it up really well for me. And uh, wow, that's yeah, amazing. yeah, he confessed to a whole lot of very non-pretty things, very ugly things. And I just sat there quietly and just, um, you know, it's one thing to just speak into that and to start arguing. But I think my body just immediately went silent and into shock and numbness. And I didn't know what even, I mean, how do you respond to that? (laughs) Aside from wanting to, you know, kick them and be angry. But I did not have the words to even express what I was feeling in that very moment. Wow. That's not how you expected that day to go. No, but not that you were expecting it by any means, but after he told you maybe that you were able to say, okay, this would make a little bit of sense because X, Y, Z, or do you feel like this was no, actually 100% a complete shock? You know, after the shock had worn off, um, I would probably say about two months later, I was able to really kind of process the what just happened moment and able to kind of think back over the last few years and see that maybe there were some red flags. You know, there was times where I would go to the computer and all the history was deleted. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just like, I'm. you have to understand, I'm not tech savvy. So in my yeah. very limited mind, I was like, oh, maybe it's just to make more space on the computer so it doesn't get bogged down, right? How mm-hmm. stupid was that? But <laughs> I, I, I didn't think anything of it in the moment. But then when I was reflecting back, there were moments where I can remember going to the oh, so and seeing those, yeah. Yeah, seeing those histories deleted. Um, and being that Charlie was just a year old, you know, during his pregnancy, there were some minor complications. And I just, I just thought, oh, because of these complications, Tim doesn't want to touch me. He doesn't want to be intimate. And He's just nervous about, you know, causing more problems. So uh, that pregnancy, I felt emotionally, we started to um, distance ourselves. And the the postpartum depression was a very real thing for me. And I didn't, again, I didn't see it as that until six weeks after Charlie was born. But looking back, that was the enemy attacking my emotions. That was the enemy trying to create a deeper wedge between the two of us because in that very moment that was the moment where Tim was confronted and God really just gripped his heart and said my son you got to come back like what are you doing and so for six months prior to confession Tim had actually already had that come to Jesus moment and was working on his faith and so that you know hindsight right like that's such a gift to have but in the moment you're like why can't I see this perspective right now and I didn't notice Mm -hmm. that you know prior to confession it had to be afterwards when you're trying to figure things out put the pieces back together and understand all of the whys and sometimes those whys don't get answered and that's okay yeah wow just imagining almost like this feeling of betrayal from what I can almost tell that it was like there wasn't a lot of arguing or anything no. that pushed him more to, you know, something like this, but it really was a, yeah, a, a complete shock kind of moment. I, 
yeah, I'm trying to put myself there in that position where I haven't had that necessarily in marriage, but I do feel like there have been those shocking type moments where I learn something about somebody or something comes to my attention that I just was not expecting to have to handle that day. Mm -hmm. And I think almost your response of silence of lack of words was almost protection, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Had you gone angry (laughs) and like Rachel, I, Ooh, I can get spicy in those situations. (laughs) I think because like, I'd rather God just mute me for a second rather than like, let me go because I think that could have done more damage. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, after, after he had confessed, there was the, the brief moment where my emotion kind of just became un- unraveled and I nearly collapsed in the kitchen and then I immediately ran to church and you know church for us is a minute around the corner <laughs> we were wow. super close to church which is a huge a blessing, blessing. <laughs> yes yeah. and so I was taught immediately by people who helped me in that process where the emotion started to become a reality and like the, yeah. the immediate process of all of that shock and you know, later that night, my girlfriend stayed with me and I did meet with our pastor that evening. And it was then that he said, you know, in order for you to process, you really do need space. And so you need to ask your husband to leave because of course, not knowing what to say in the moment, I was like, well, you have to stay here. We have kids, you know, like silly of me to, yeah. to say that. But the image you were like, yeah. well, we need, yeah, yeah it needs to like, continue as normal and yeah and you and you don't rehearse that moment in your marriage where you're like okay so let's sit down let's discuss if you come home and confess to you know pornography <laughs> right. and multiple affairs this is how I'm going to react you don't you don't prepare for these moments and nor should you you know you don't prepare for the moment when your spouse gets a you know health diagnosis that's going to be um terminal or completely life altering yeah like you don't yeah. You don't sit down and say like, okay, so hypothetically, if this happens, this is how we're going to react. Let me get my little notebook out. And now I'm going to do step one, two, and three. You know, I never rehearsed this thing in my marriage because I never saw it being an issue. And so I didn't know what to say in those moments. I didn't know how to react. And I just went with my gut and praise God, he directed my steps to church. And from there, people were able to help guide me and navigate, you know, those first initial moments. And so that's where our pastor did. He, he said we needed to separate. And my immediate response was, I didn't say I do. And I did not, in my vows, I never said, you know, till death do us part or until you cheat on me, I'm going to then ask you to move out. And I could not ask him to move out. So our pastor did that for me. He actually went to our house and he helped pack a bag with my husband. And stay with the, you know, our two sleeping kids until I got back home that night. And um, that was probably the most alone moment of our marriage was coming home. No way my husband was not there. Wow. 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 I think I'm so curious because as I'm listening, part of this starts to creep up in me that I can anticipate it may be happening for some listeners. But can mm-hmm. we talk about like the fear where, like you're saying, that never was a part of your conversation of if this were to happen, then this is how we'll respond. But I think that it's a legitimate fear for a lot of us because we're mm-hmm. really just one step away from grace and falling, you know? And yeah. what does it look like for us to take all, our eyes off of Jesus for one moment? And that could be my story too, or that could mm-hmm. be my husband's. And so mm-hmm. 
for those that almost are sitting in this fear or feeling it creep up, what would you have to say to them where like it's it's a healthy fear that we need to consider, but how do you stay in that um how do you stay out of that tension to know that like no, I am safe if it hasn't happened? Yeah, you know, our communication style prior to confession like I I reacted in the very way that my communication style was. I locked down, I went silent, and I retreated to myself. And I think for so many couples, um, especially those that I've mentored over the years, is you know, you ask them what their communication style is like and so many, so many individuals they don't feel like they have permission to say, you know what, hen, I'm really struggling and I feel like there's this distance growing between us or they just they've never practiced the art of healthy communication. And so now Kim and I have permission. We have transparency in our marriage to ask each other the hard things. And I can ask them, how are your eyes and mind? Prior mm-hmm. to confession, I never once asked him. And I felt this, um, you know, like if I, if I was hurt by something he did or hurt by something he said, I never brought it to his attention. And that was my fault. That, that is what I call my 1%. You know, you have to own 100% of the 1% of the, of the equation. And Tim will say that I didn't own any of it. But my communication style was to retreat because I'm a conflict avoider. I'm a codependent. I don't like to make waves. I don't like to upset people. And so I think couples, if you're, af- if you're afraid of addressing these issues um, and the potential of sin invading your marriage, the first step is to just talk. Yeah, you know, you have exactly. to communicate with one another. You have to um, talk about the really hard, ugly things, because if not, that's where the enemy's going. Oh, there's my window. Yes. You know, she just yes. opened this door for me. There's she's going to bed with, with resentment and he's feeling, uh, you know, a lack of attention. You know, I go back to the five love languages from Gary Chapman. If you don't understand how your spouse receives love or how he communicates love. And same with yourself, then you're always going to be running into to barricades because you're not going yeah. to be hearing the other person. So I think the first step to overcoming that fear is just to start with a conversation and to, you know, start having those hard talks of, do you have struggles? Are you, are you unhappy? Like, how can I, how can I affirm you more within our marriage? What can I do that expresses my love for you? Um, and sometimes yes. it can be eye-opening with those answers. Yeah. We were in an amazing newlywed small group when we first moved to where we are now, which is Birmingham, Alabama. And it truly saved our marriage. Not that it was in a detrimental place, but I think that it could have been because we just were so lonely with each other. Like we didn't have community around us to point out things or show red flags or as we were creating habits as newlyweds for someone else to help us create the healthy ones. And so one of the things though, that we left that group thinking of that we're like, I never would have considered that is having the open communication is the practice you would need for these situations. If they were to arise where Mm -hmm. it's like, no, I get to practice hearing your confession and loving you anyways, rather than freaking out and doing my natural reaction, which if Thomas were to come to me with something he needed to get off of his chest and I reacted poorly, I, he could never trust me to come back to me with something else if it was heavier ever again because yeah. it's almost like a learned behavior. He didn't feel safe with my response. And so having the open 
communication isn't always 100% for the information necessarily. I think it's also for the reaction and the practice of what it would be like if something heavier would ever be a part of that conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I'm with you. I think that that is so true. What a well, and I think for, yeah, for some couples, you know, if you don't know how to communicate well, start with a journal, just put it by your bedside or put it in your, mm. you know, kitchen or bathroom or wh- wherever it is that both of you will notice and start writing notes to each other. And maybe that's how you start those communication styles and practicing really being transparent with one another. You know, that is one, that's one thing. But I do want to say this, is that just because a communication style did not, um, it didn't excel prior to confession, you know, just because we didn't have the perfect communication, that is not the reason why my husband stepped outside of our marriage. You know, you have to understand sure. this addiction was birthed um, in his teenage years. And it sat dormant um, until, you know, whenever the enemy decided, you know, now is the time. And he would struggle Mm -hmm. for a while and then he would be good. And then he would struggle for a while and then he would be good. And much like any addiction, it starts getting to the point where, well, this is boring. You know, I'm not getting that chemical high adrenaline rush like I was before. So I'm going to try that next step. You know, what's the next step in a pornography addiction? And, you know, without going into gruesome details, the, the power drug of pornography can lead to some devastating behaviors and lifestyles that can cause you know, just the devastation and the destruction that that addiction has. And not only just in adults, but we're talking young kids who have access to this now. And so just because we didn't have perfect communication before was not the reason why things went south. This was, this was a heart issue. And, you know, for, for Tim and I, we did the marriage counseling, just like you. And, you know, we did the steps and we went to church and we both, we both, we're raised in Christian homes. Our community is a very tight knit, small Christian community. And so we knew the truth. We knew what was right and wrong. We had a moral compass. But anytime you enter in the, you know, Satan into the equation, all things can go awry. And so yes. um, because Kim's faith walk was not fully cemented and because it was not a real relationship with our forgiving, grace filled, loving, savior that is the reason why this went so bad and so I think another aspect to the whole fear component is that you really need to have that individual relationship with your lord and savior not as a couple but as an individual and then once Mm -hmm. you have it as an individual absolutely have that marriage you know relationship with Jesus in the center but you do have to have that individual relationship. And that was, you know, I think he was relying on my faith for a while. And, you know, when I was having a weak moment, I would rely on his faith. And so that was another reason why things just (laughs) went so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is good to hear because you can be doing things right. And I think that you can be doing like, quote, quote, the next steps and things still shatter because we have an enemy that's trying to play the game just as hard as our savior is. And if there's no moment of recognition of the need for Christ in our life, like I was saying earlier, we're one step away from failing and um, from messing up. And 
I, I think this is also good to hear because I came into marriage with the expectation that I get 50%, Thomas gives 50%, and then we equal 100. Yeah. And our um our friends called us out one time. They're like, uh-uh, you give 100% and you give 100%. That way on the day is that you can give 20, he's still able you know, to make up and to be the in-between and the intercede for you. But if you're both only being okay with giving 50% of what the other person would need to quote unquote complete one another, you're always going to come short because there's going to be days of overflow and then there's going to be days where you come short. And so what does it look like on those days? And yeah. it was such a fascinating visual for me to know, um, like in your situation where on the days that you're only able to offer the 25%, if he was relying on you, then the 100% wasn't there. And yeah. I think too, when you have children and you're having to overflow within a family to create a healthy home and they're reliant on you for faith in that, in that season of life too, just gets particularly interesting. Um, so I am so glad you said that because I think that that's something I wish I would have known before marriage, it could have kept us from a lot of those late night arguments. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So I do have a interesting question that I'm sure you can maybe answer just from experience, but let's say someone maybe has an inkling that something is happening. Maybe the Lord's kind of stirred them in some kind of discernment to know something's off um, with the other. Like, let's say hypothetically, Stephanie, you knew maybe that this was happening, how would you encourage them to approach that communication maybe from the opposite side of the equation? Mm -hmm. A good question. You know, a lot of women that I've met with um, and who are a part of our Facebook Reclaimed Ministry community, they have this exact question, like, what do I do? I know he's cheating. I saw the receipts. I saw the lipstick on the collar. I have the text threads, you know, I think a lot of brides are quick to play investigator and sometimes that can do more damage than good. And, wow. you know, it's, it's one thing to approach your spouse and to say, can you explain this? I found this and I'm not sure how or why you would be at this location or, you know, I, I think you have to understand your spouse's communication style. Um, you also right. have to take in, you know, where is your marriage? Maybe you're already on rocky ground. And so confronting them in that moment may not be the best situation. Maybe yeah. confronting with a third party would be better. So it, every, every marriage, every situation is going to be different. I think the best mm. advice to say is don't play investigator. If you know something is up, first pause and pray. Really invite the Holy Spirit into your home, into your heart, into your whole marriage, and just say, God, like, I need your direction on this. What do you want me to do? Like, I have this bit of information. I know something is going on. I know something is off. How would you see me bring this to light? Who should I, who should I invite in to help us navigate these next little bit? Um, and that may be a pastor. It might be a trusted friend. Um, you know, some of the worst case scenarios would be to attack that individual and to have like this intervention style, um, you know, flaming arrow, this is what you're doing wrong. You don't want to do that. Um, I had one bride ask me, you know, I just don't get it. Like every time I asked my husband, her husband had a severe pornography addiction. There was no physical affairs. It was just the addiction. Um, and it had started prior to them getting married. She had found out a couple months before their wedding and um, he said it wasn't a big deal. And it lasted a couple of years into their marriage. And so 
she has continued to ask her, her husband, you know, they have four kids as well. And so her mind is all in the mommy world. And when she, when she approaches her husband to ask him how he's doing, she does it in a way that treats him like a child versus an adult. So instead of saying, Hun, how, how are you doing? Have you been struggling? She'll approach him and say, have you been naughty lately? Have you been naughty? And it's like, wow, you just degraded your husband to a child, you know? And so we have to remember yeah. that you're not the mom, but it's oftentimes it's how you approach the situation. It's the delivery of your speech that can change the moment and can, you know, cause your spouse to be repentant and cause them to be completely, you know, exposed in that moment. Or you could have the opposite and he's going to become extremely defensive. So you have to make sure right. that your heart is in the right place before you go and confront him on on something that you feel is going on. That is good. That's good. So like I was talking about in the beginning of the episode, let's say someone's going through betrayal, but it not might not necessarily be in marriage, or it is. What is some comfort that you found in the midst of all of it that the Lord's led you to or small whispers from him that you've been able to receive and cling to that maybe it could be an encouragement for them. Yeah. You know, that's, it's so good that you mentioned that because betrayal, yes, it's an umbrella emotion that I would say everybody has experienced at some point in their life, whether it's betrayal from a parent due to childhood abuse, uh, friends, my goodness, girlfriends, we are mean to each other. (laughs) I was about to say. Yes, we can be so mean. And so there's betrayal within your friendships and you know, family, the extended family, man, that, that kind of stuff, that dynamic can get messy. And so betrayal is not just in marriage. It does ooze out into every, you know, aspect yeah. of your life. And I think right. two really important things to remember, regardless if it's in your marriage or if it's in any other aspect of your life, is that God is someone you can rely on. You know, God is not just this, good. this idea or this thought like he's right there with you and he wants healing he wants restoration for your relationships and he wants you to come to him with all of your emotions you know it's okay to cry and it's okay to be angry I had righteous anger for what my husband did to not only myself but for you know towards our kids and our marriage like I had I had some serious anger that I had to process And so God wanted me to come to him with that first before I retaliated and just took my anger out onto other people. So you really need to invite God into that, into that hurt. Um, And another thing is that God wants to help us when we don't know what to do. If you are going like, I've got this friendship and I've addressed the hurt, I've addressed the pain. I just don't know what to do next. You know, God wants us to come to him. And one of the scriptures that I went to immediately after confession was Psalm 77. And there was really no one verse. It was the entire chapter. And it's essentially the the psalmist is just like laying flat on the ground going like, God, I'm in such pain. I'm in just complete distraught. Like I cannot stop my tears, the despair, the depression, very real thing. And then it gets to a point where, um, you know, about halfway through the chapter where it says, I ponder all you've done, Lord, musing on all your miracles. It's here in your presence, in your sanctuary, where I learned more of your ways. And that's where God wants us wow. in our pain. If he wants us to be in his presence, 
we cannot do this alone. There's no way that I would be sitting here with a ministry and a book and a marriage of, you know, 18 years if I had not let God into my situation. So absolutely yes. go to God. And, you know, God may be, you know, you may feel like super distant from him, but he's going to give you the right people. He's going to give you the the friend that you never thought would be there for you. That person is going to knock on your door and say, you know, I just felt like you needed someone to listen. He's going to give you that right song that's going to minister to your brokenness. He's going to give you the worship, that sunrise, the sunset, the pastor, the message, whatever it may be. He's going to give you what you need for that moment if we go to him first. That is beautiful. It's really what he wants us to do is come back to him so that he can be the rescuer and the comforter in that moment. And a lot of times we forget that or I forget, I'll say that he um, can be that for me, but sometimes it takes the pain or the discomfort to figure out that he is comforter and he is savior. Yes. So you're, I feel like you're able to see almost the whole picture of who God is when you experience the whole picture of what pain can be. Um, so I, yes, I'm so glad you said that. And now you have Reclaimed Ministry, which yes. is doing amazing things. So I want you to take a moment just to tell us about this ministry that was almost birthed out of your pain, which yeah, again, is such a testimony for what God can do. <laughs> Satan never has the final word. Yeah, this would not be my my choice, but you know, where God is, he directs and good goodness, he's done a lot. Um, so this April will be 11 years since Tim confessed. And um, two years after his confession, we were approached by our church to video our testimonies. And I was reluctant because we had kept our story so small and so quiet that our pretty outside life looked normal from everybody else. But inside, we were extremely intentional about our healing and, you know, rebuilding this horribly broken marriage that we had created. And so uh, Tim videoed his testimony first, which is based all on coming clean. And that somehow got back to the CDN, the 700 Club, which came out and filmed our testimony. So our story went from nobody knowing to a national platform. And it was there that wow. God really started to work on my heart and, you know, kind of gave me this, this, um, this purpose, this calling of this is what I want you to do. And so I um, started meeting with women locally and hearing their stories and walking with them, mentoring and encouraging them. And um, about a year later, I had a gal say, you know, there's no support group locally. Like there's nothing here for women. Well, why, why is there nothing? You know, why doesn't the church offer these resources? And then she flipped it on me and not just one, but multiple brides started flipping the question on me. Like, why haven't you written something? Why haven't you started this support group? And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, I don't write. I don't write. Um, I'm just a hairstylist and a mom. So you're going to have to go find a different girl. And God just continued to pursue me and soften my heart towards it. And that eventually led to me writing the 12-week curriculum guide which we've now offered to multiple churches across the United States and locally here, the Reclaimed Small Group, which is a 12-week process through the trail all the way to um, starting over again. And it's been absolutely phenomenal, such a blessing and honor to walk with these brides. You know, brides who are divorced, separated, remarried, brides who are single, who had just heard a confession or discovery two weeks prior, or for one bride, she had been divorced for 35 years, 
And so it's not just for that person who just found out days earlier to join these groups. Um, right. the, the material is there for women who have these deep, you know, deep seated heart wounds that they've just not been able to, to process. Um, and from there, I wrote the reclaimed 30 day journey, uh, finding your identity after marital betrayal, which released back in August. And this is a 30 day journey for the bride who does not have a local resource. She can pick up the book from Amazon, our website, reclaimedministry.com or Barnes and Noble, and she can process at home. And a lot of brides have actually read this book with their spouses for the, for the marriage who's choosing to restore and trying to pursue that reconciliation. Um, the couples have used a lot of the reclaimed reflection questions as conversation starters, because if you can't afford counseling, you rely on outside resources such as books and podcasts and all those types right. of resources. And so um, that's where we're at. We're about seven years into leading groups and um, I'm just blown away what God has done. And I think for any ministry leader would agree with this is that you can't lead a ministry without staying sharp yourself. And God continues wow. to show me areas in my life that I need to work on or that there may be just a, a small root of bitterness left behind, you know, just a residue of resentment that I have to, to flush out. And so it's been a blessing for me to be able to, to leave this ministry and to hear the stories of women. And, you know, I'm just so honored that they trust me with their stories because they're not pretty. So it's, right. yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. I love it. And just for someone to have a place of rest and almost rescue where they can feel heard and understood and loved when maybe their home doesn't feel that way, I think is what is oh, like remarkable about what you're doing. And so I wanted you just to be honored because that's amazing that you stepped up to the plate in what could have been a super awkward and vulnerable position. But you said, no, I really want to make public what God's done in my life, not because of you or, you know, for anything that would maybe come back for your family, but I think just your courage and your bravery and boldness to say, no, I, here I am, send me. Like I have a, quite a story and I want others to maybe find some freedom through what God's been able to do for it can be a testimony for them to cling to when maybe it doesn't look as shiny as what now 18 years in looks like for you because you put in the hard work. So yeah. this is um really cool. And I can't wait for people just to dive in more about what Reclaim Ministry is doing. And we will link all of that in the show notes for you that are interested in maybe even joining in the Facebook groups or um, getting your hands on some of the resources. So we'll make sure to set everyone up with all of that. Absolutely. You know, it really is. It comes down to the, the storytelling, right? Like this isn't a story. This is my life. And it is God's testimony. And, um, you know, I think so often you know, for, for the longest time, the enemy attacked me with the, the lie of, oh, you're not a counselor, so you can't do this. You're not an author. You can't write. Mm. And, you know, the more we give in to the enemy's lies, the more our testimony can't radiate God's grace and can't radiate his victory. And it's the victory Amen. in my life that I want other people to hear. And if this hairstylist, stay-at-home mommy can offer hope to one other person, then it's worth it. It's worth sharing my story. That is amazing. Yes. Well, I love asking this at the end of every episode. I can't believe 
it's already the end of the episode. We have so many good things inside, but what is something that you are loving these days that you have to share with the people? It could be a resource or a product or a song or a movie. Seriously, anything that you're like, guys, you have to know about this. Well, let's see. Let's get real personal. So I had a mastectomy six weeks ago and I'm loving my mastectomy pillow. Yes. You know, (gasps) it's amazing. This is like a whole nother community that I've been, um, been a part of now and it's it's all for good reason it's all preventative reasons but i'm yeah i'm currently bundled up with my pillow and, and that's the one product that i'm loving but um the book that i started in was rebecca lyon's rhythms of renewal oh my goodness if yes. you've not read it you've got to pick it up it's so good it's so refreshing to hear her words and her stories and the scripture verses that she's got in her book and just the way that she relates her story, you know, on the pages. So good. I'm loving that book right now. Oh, amazing. I am so glad you said that because I've had so many people talk about it and it's sitting on my bookshelf. It's one of those that I'm like, it's next on the list. It's next on the list. But I think I just need to hurry up and finish my current and go ahead and move on to it because I've you're like the fourth person in the past eight days that said something. It's so, so good. And Rebecca, she is always on fire, has something good to say for lots of seasons. So, oh, yeah. okay. I need to just open it up and go ahead and start reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm so grateful for you and your story and that, like I said, your boldness and coming on and sharing for a few minutes about just what your life has looked like and the ways that God has seriously redeemed you and even your marriage from the pits that um, we can hear about in stories all throughout scripture, but you are someone today right here that has something similar and God is seriously using you in the coolest of ways. So just to have you for a few minutes to talk about what he's doing and ways that we can grab some hope from it has been a treasure. Thank you, Rachel. Of course. If people wanted to find more about you or even Reclaimed Ministry, where can they find you online? Yes, you can find us on Instagram, Reclaimed Ministry. Or Facebook. We've got a couple different options on Facebook. We do have the Reclaimed Ministry community. And this is a private, a closed community of women who get it. Um, they have all experienced betrayal to some degree, whether it's physical, emotional affairs or pornography, sex addictions. Um, women who understand the pain that you're walking through. And it is there that you'll find encouragement and support. Um, we have led the Reclaimed Small Groups live in that community. And so we have all of those past videos on there. You can also find us um, just our ministry page or my author page, Stephanie Gorsmith, um, all on Facebook. So those will be the places. And if you don't remember those, just go to the website, reclaimedministry.com. What an amazing story of what God can do when we give him our pain, how he can turn it into something more rich and triumphant than we could ever have imagined. And the fact that she's able to now incorporate all of this into something brave and courageous like Reclaimed Ministries is amazing. And I just was so honored to have her on the show to share a bit about what that looked like for her. If you find yourself maybe in a similar season or circumstance like Stephanie found herself in within her relationship and marriage, then I highly suggest that you check out Reclaimed Ministries, which is linked in our show notes, along with all the other things that we talked about in today's episode, like Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons and more. If you have questions for Stephanie and want to lean more into what this could look like for you, then go ahead and find her on Instagram at Reclaimed Ministry. 
Stephanie's story is truly one behind the bliss where she opens up her doors, shares what went on in her home, where she is today because of the healing process and her path to wholeness. We would love to hear what you're thinking of Behind the Bliss. If you would take a few short seconds to fill out the review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much to us to have an idea of what you're loving, if there's a specific episode that encouraged you, or if you want to hear more of a particular subject. It helps us get an idea of what we could do for you, how we could serve you better, but also it helps our impact and our reach and our growth on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast platforms. I'm so grateful for you spending a few moments of your day today with us, hearing from Stephanie about healing and wholeness and how to overcome pain and shock that might have entered your life. Hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time.